Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Uh, Ryan here joined today with Sam and Nathan. Uh, Alex is out today. He's taken, uh, he's taken his PTO. Uh, a personal day. Yeah. Just really clearing his head. Podcasting <laughs> game's rough. Um, let's talk about the Texas Tech game um, right away. Let's just jump into it. Let's do it. Not a lot to say about this one, as we predicted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was pretty. I mean, it was over by the half. It was pretty a uh, summary execution sort of thing. It was very efficient. Um, defense played really well. Held them to what was it, one of fourteen on third downs. Um, yeah, anytime you're going to do that with this offense, it's lights out pretty quick. Right. Um, not to jump too deep, too quick, but. The defense on third down this year is massively improved, and it's, yeah, it's like it's honestly, yeah, kind of hard to believe. Um, Nathan, what was your what was your experience with this game? How did you watch it, or how did you experience it? Uh, I mean, I watched it on TV. I was actually at my parents' house, um, and I I don't know. It, it was just a I was I was invested because you know it's OU and I want to see them play and I want to see them do well. But if I was just watching this game as in a non-invested person, I would have flipped it after about 10 minutes. It was quick. Um, and as soon as I saw the, uh, first off, I, watching Texas Tech play offense, I'm not sure how their quote-unquote second-string quarterback beat out Jet Duffy, but that guy was right. rough to watch. Um, and once Jeff Duff, Jet Duffy came into the game, yeah, he moved the ball a little bit. They ran decently well, but... Um, they just couldn't keep up. They couldn't threaten any law. They couldn't threaten deep. It was just, uh, they just didn't quite have the potential to score, which is interesting because Jet Duffy, I mean, he's had decent games in the past. He threw for over 400 yards against Texas last year. So it's not like he's um, a st- complete stranger to success. But um, really, I mean, they, they, like I said before, the defense got off, on, off the field on third down. They covered pretty well. Um, D line. Had some issues. We had some linebackers get out of gaps, but that's kind of nitpicking. Really can't complain too much with holding uh, Texas Tech to 16 points. I can't really complain with anybody holding anybody to 16. So, um, Right. Um, especially to one touchdown. Um, yeah, exactly. And also, uh, that one touchdown, like I'm not a complain about penalties guy. But that one touchdown was spurred by their only, really their only long play of the day. It was a 58-yard run that was just blatant holding yeah. on the edge that was just completely and was, missed. And everyone in the stadium saw it. Yeah. It was and right was in the, the line of sight on the there. judge. I don't, I'm right. not sure how he missed that. It was so obvious. Right. But. right. Um, we had a really impressive goal line stand in there. Um, mm-hmm. Which uh, like included running a quarterback down from behind. As uh, a sprint to the corner. Alex Grinch mentioned that is uh, one of his two favorite plays on the day. Uh, Delaren Turney yells, uh, hustling down the field and tackling the guy at the two uh, to right. set up a potential for forcing a field goal. So, What I thought was interesting about, you know, obviously they didn't have Alan Bowman, so they were coming in, especially when Jet Duffy was in, just a completely different game plan. Mm-hmm. But their offense this season, so after, I believe it was after their first game, yeah, after Montana State, um, David Yost, their offensive coordinator, who's 
official like team headshot looks like like he's smiling he's, with long shaggy hair looks okay, like he yeah, was yeah. a mugshot for intent or possession with intent to distribute like mm-hmm. he's a very happy looking guy but he was complaining after that game that they were averaging their snaps with 28 seconds on the play clock and then Alan Bowman said yeah their their goal is to snap it with 30 seconds on the play clock so they are a team that wants to run fast and he brought that from Utah State with him well, they were from the very beginning of the game. They were, you know, looking over the sideline, getting their breath, running it down to like 11, 10 seconds every single snap. Like from the beginning, they were playing to not get blown out in this one. <laughs> yeah, they're right. just trying to keep the offense off the field. Yeah, um, right. Um, let's. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to frame this to make this interesting because obviously, well, like honestly, we could move on, but. <laughs> well, uh, uh, quick, quick, really quickly, ahead. quick, David Yost sidebar. <laughs> um, as as Sam, this looks like a man that could have a lot of great sidebars. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> as Sam mentioned, uh, he's uh, he looks like a scarecrow. Um, he, <laughs> so he's he actually used to be the uh, offensive coordinator at Missouri whenever Gary Pinkle was there, uh, and he actually was on the on the Missouri staff whenever Alex Grinch was uh, on the staff. Um, Alex Grinch, I think he's Gary Pinkle's nephew. He's he somehow. Um, pretty related or pretty well acquainted with Gary Pinkle. But I remember circa early 2010s, there are these, uh, these pretty famous on the um, college football internet spheres, um, kind of the message board community or, or kind of just, just those people that kind of circulated around of David Yost with his, you know, his floppy scarecrow haircut. He looks like the guy from Wizard of Oz. And then he had these like tight leggings and just leggings on at a offensive offensive practice and like this baggy sweatshirt. So I'm not telling you to go search for this photo, but it's out there. Right. I will say if you here's my David Yost sidebar. If you Google David Yost, um, what you actually get uh, is David Yost, the actor who played Billy on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Oh, All right. Yeah, that's probably the. The supreme David. I was say he looks like he, this, <laughs> he looks like he'd be like a bassist for Jimmy Eat World. This David Yost. Advantage yeah, Billy. Excellent. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Advantage Billy. Um, so David Yost. Let's um Nathan, tell me something you noticed in this game that you think will be meaningful going forward for this football team. Oh, put me on the spot. Um well I thought the defensive backs had a pretty nice day tackling. Um, I thought Delaire and Turniel had maybe his best game of the season so far. Um, Jaden Davis continues to probably be the best defensive back. Uh, well, just straight up defensive back, honestly. He's um, had a really, really strong start to the season. He blew. He uh, stopped um, a reverse pass. He made a nice tackle there. I don't know. All in all, I thought there was some a decent tackling day. Um, this he's not a defensive back, but I noticed Nick Benito had a couple of, uh, you know, he was able to keep outside contain um, on a couple of reverses as well. So that was that was um, encouraging to me. I would say, um, as far as positives go. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Sam, same uh, question. I would say. Neville Gallimore was awesome. Yeah. And 
for better or worse, we saw what our depth is going to look like, um, especially behind Neville. Like that first, their touchdown drive, you know, other than that long run, they were moving the ball decently well, so they still potentially could have put together a good drive there. And that was Neville's first drive not in the game. And you could just tell whenever he's not in there, whether it's Marquise Overton, who did make a few plays, or whoever is coming in for him, like they are just not as well equipped to do this as Neville is. So we'll see, you know, maybe getting in against Texas Tech and getting in against Kansas. Hopefully down the road, they do get better equipped to, you know, not do what Neville Gallimore does, but hold their own to yeah. let him get a breather. Not let it be a massive drop-off when they yeah. really rotate him out. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just, you did not have nearly the level of confidence when he wasn't in there. Mm-hmm. Right. So, here's mine. I'm going to go ahead and move us on to the offensive side of the ball, which we really haven't talked about yet. Um, deep crossing routes. Um, they were there. Jalen was throwing them. They were honestly maybe one of the first things I learned about Lincoln Riley um, <laughs> when we hired him. was like, oh, yeah, he's an air-raid guy. He runs a lot of deep crossing routes. Well, they're happening, uh, yep. and I'm really excited about it because, I mean, watching, like, CD or Charleston Rambo or just anybody um, just, like, cross across the field, get the outside, get outside the, the – um, the opposite safety, I catch the ball and then discard the guy. Like, yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, and I think it's a demonstration of like, yeah, Jalen knows this offense. Yeah, we're, and this isn't entirely true because even, even in this game, there was still aspects of like, we're not showing very much, but like, we're ready to start opening up the playbook and really, really doing some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought this was, the best Jalen looked as far as uh, just kind of working through his progressions. Um, and I think it, like you said, it's just kind of uh, it speaks to him becoming more comfortable in the offense, becoming more confident in what Lincoln Riley is doing, how his uh, relationship with his receivers is going. I thought speaking of receivers, I thought Jaden Hazelwood had a pretty nice day. It wasn't anything flashy, but he had some no. really nice yeah. first down pickups, some really impressive body control catches. Um, and I think it just speaks to he's probably going to end up being the third uh, leading receiver on this team. And that's exciting just from a future uh, development standpoint. So Right. And also we got to see more of this game than we had before. Jaden Hazelwood uh, catching yeah, balls sure. downfield. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, think I also was... saw oh, scrolling okay. across the bottom of ESPN, I think is when it was, that Jalen had five passes downfield of 20 plus yards which was the most of his career in a game which doesn't seem like a lot to me because of what we've been dealing with the past few years (laughs) um but like you just like you said just a minute ago it is awesome to see like that is just evidence of the playbook expanding him getting more comfortable and i think like he's his deep balls have looked pretty good so far and i think it's just a matter of time before you know, you break those out against the big boys like Texas or something, and it is you—you you are not exactly worried on the offensive side yet, right? Um, 
other other things to talk about offensively, especially with Jalen uh, going through his progressions. Like, let's talk about how impressive it was that fourth and eleven, he was able to come all the way across the field to his check down and mm-hmm. put Jeremiah Hall um, in a position to pick up a first down from behind the chains. Like, and what what an effort by Jeremiah Hall too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Spins out, like, of it, spins out, runs that over guy. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I'm not not going to take an opportunity to brag about how good Jeremiah Hall was. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah Hall approached that like he was going up against our DBs one-on-one. <laughs> yes, right. Like, he was yeah. not worried in the slightest that he wasn't going to get that. And the first guy got to him, like, six yards short of the line. Yeah, right. I didn't think he absolutely had a did not panic. It was impressive. Um, and also just, like, the patience of Jalen to recognize that he had time to let that play expand a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, to invite more pressure onto him in the pocket. All very good. Yep. Um, let's see. The running game was fine. I don't think we expected any different. Yeah. Uh, offensive line, we saw some new looks in terms of personnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Adrian Neely has, I think it's like a slight knee tweak, something something that's holding him out for maybe a couple of weeks. Um, he, I think he's uh, out indefinitely, just kind of a week-to-week deal. Um, so they started Bray Walker at right guard, and they slid Tyrese Robinson over from right guard to right tackle. Um, and then uh, in the second half, Eric Swinson uh, was replaced by R.J. Proctor at left tackle. Um, and there's some buzz out there that maybe Swinson has a little bit of a knee injury as well. So we'll have, that's something to watch in the weeks to come. Um, but so there's some kind of some shifting going along with the offensive line, but you wouldn't really know it from how efficient the, the offense was. It didn't matter that there are new offensive linemen and guys going in and going out and a guy that's making his first ever career start. And honestly, his first real like meaningful playing time in Bray Walker they just still get 600 yards and 50 points. So, right. And the ability, to beat, though. yeah, the ability, like the luxury of being able to rotate guys when it's just like, oh, he has a knee tweak. We don't want to get to get worse. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's really, that's really handy. It's it's a really good thing to have. It will pay off massively later in the season. Yeah, because I mean, Bray Walker is arguably as talented of a player as they have uh, in the program, or at least an offensive line with the exception of maybe Creed, and maybe even more than Creed as far as base talent goes. But he's never really played. So, like you said, it's, it speaks to how um, what a luxury it is to be able to put somebody in like that and just move your right guard over to right tackle. And that's something that Beanbow kind of, um, something that he looks for in offensive linemen, something that he likes. He doesn't always go for the prototype offensive tackles, the six, seven guys. He, I mean, there are quite a few of those, actually, that he's recruited, but... He likes guys that have positional, uh, that can play multiple positions. He can play them at guard. Right. He can play them at tackle, and it doesn't really matter. He can move them all over the line because he always, so he can always have his best five. And it's not they can play just one position, and that's it. So, and, and we're seeing that in action by moving Robinson, who's frankly a little a little short for a tackle, but it didn't. He seemed to do just fine on Saturday. Right. Um. I was really impressed with how the line played, all things considered. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, according to Football Outsiders offensive line statistics, um, the the offensive line, as expected, like they started out a little bit slow at the beginning, but we are currently first in opportunity rate, power success rate, pass down line yards. 
We're like pretty much top 20 in everything. The only thing we're quote unquote bad at is pass down sack rate, which if you didn't know our offense, we don't normally get in pass downs anyway. Right. So yeah. the but offensive we had line few, has been yeah. great. We had a few of those this game. Um, we, the, that's the other thing is, did you guys also feel like this? There were points in the, this game where the offense was sort of just being weird. Like when we had to pick up yeah. a third and 17. Obviously, we did, but yeah, we, we've we've done that a few times this season. Actually, they keep kind of putting themselves in bad situations, and they're just good enough to bail themselves out. You know, right. <laughs> they they right. pick up third and seventeens and fourth and elevens, and um, it's like they almost uh, it's almost like incentivizing themselves to keep screwing up and putting themselves in those bad situations. Hopefully, they'll clean it up in the future. Right. But it's like, well, it, yeah. it doesn't seem to really bite them, so they don't seem to learn their lesson just yet. Right. I, yeah, I, had a, I had text queued up. I was like, are we about to punt? Like, is Reese Munchau about to get on the field? And yeah. I'm like, we picked it up. But that was right. that was definitely one of those weird moments. Right. Um, Lincoln Riley going for it on 4th of 11, up like 30. How did we feel about yeah. that? Oh, it was awesome. Great. I love it. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, do we have anything else we have to say about this game, really? Not really. No, I don't, no. not really. I, I, I think, I think we're fine to move on to Kansas. It, it was just, a, it was another, just, you know, I mean, it, it was what it was. It was kind of a boring game, but it was right. boring in a good way. And that's right. what well, we liked. It was, so. yeah, <laughs> it was exactly what we said it would be. Right. Um, I guess we Every, should mention that Kennedy Brooks looks like he's probably going to be fine. Yeah, so everyone's yeah. probably going to be mad if we don't talk about that. Um, yeah, the hit was bullshit, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't, Everyone in the stadium knew it was bullshit, I, except for the ref on the call, just threw a regular old block-in-the-back penalty. Like, how is that not the equivalent I of was, a flagrant two in basketball? Like, immediate ejection. I was really hoping, like, Marquise Hayes and Creed would, like, double-team that <laughs> defensive lineman the next time he was out on the right. field. I wonder if he ever even came back out on the field or if he just immediately went into witness protection. Yeah, um, I didn't he, pay uh, attention. He released, he released a Twitter apology. That doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, yeah, once, once like, you put out the Twitter notes, or once you put out the, the iOS notes on Twitter, that's how you know you fucked up. Well, and you, right. can't, you can't say, like, <laughs> he basically like he blamed Like, he says he thought television. it was a bang-bang play. Like, well, he also yeah. says, like, you can't, you know, I, I don't have it in front of me, but he was basically, like, accusing me of seeing what I want to see by using the television rewind. Like, it was the weirdest. Right. It was like, hey, dude, uh, everyone <laughs> in the stadium knew it, too. So, yeah. right. And it's like, the, well, and this is the thing is that, like, he said, oh, you know, it was really fast. My guy was going out of bounds and I should have, I shouldn't have hit him because it was too late. It's like, that's a bad block anywhere on the field at any time of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that is a dirty play, period. You can't dive at someone's knees from the side. You just can't. And this is actually, yeah. I don't know, we can talk about th- this play also happening in a in a game where t- where um, Texas Tech had two chop block calls on yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech going to Texas Tech, I guess. Right. Sure. But Anyways. Kennedy's uh, fine. Hopefully. Yeah, amazingly. Exactly. It's fine. We're moving on. Uh, in national news, obviously the biggest news here is that Grinnell College has canceled the remainder of its season because of injuries that whittled its rosters to just 28 players. Mm. I always wonder, like teams like that, how bad can they be and could I walk on to them? 
Well, like uh, if you have twenty-eight scholarship players, surely there's someone in the school. It's like, yeah, well, it's Division three, so there are no scholarship players. Uh, I thought it said they were oh, so they were down to twenty-eight total players. I guess uh-huh. right, eleven. I, I they had lost eleven said. of its thirty-nine players. I got you. Wow. Right. Um, well, the good news for them is I'm neither fast nor am I large, but right. And also, that's I can't all, that's all I've like got. <laughs> I can't play college athletics anymore. Yeah. I'm pretty sure um, my junior high awesome team had more than 39 players. <laughs> yeah. So Grinnell lost its first three games by a combined score of 114 to three. Mm. I, I want to see what their S and plus rating is. You know, you know they don't have one. You know that you're just going to make Bill Connolly sad that he doesn't have D3 ratings. I say he's getting down there. He's. <laughs> He keeps he keeps talking about his beloved Swasu Bulldogs, who are also near and dear to my heart. So, I love seeing those D two ratings down there. All right, um, in <laughs> Division One news, um, let's see. You had Clemson survive a scary one against North Carolina. Um, you know, it's easy to underreact to Clemson in these situations, just because this is normal for them, right? Yeah, they do this every year. Right. I am concerned about their line, uh, their offensive line, I should say. Hey, can, can we talk about that? Because it's really strange. They have four returning starters in their one guy that they replaced, Mitch Hyatt, from last year. The new guy is the f- five-star true, like uh, sophomore that played a lot last year. So I don't really know why they're not that good this year. It's kind of right. weird. It's a real Michigan situation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah um, that's, a, that's a very good point. Yeah, I'm not so I'm not entirely sure what's going on there, um, but yeah, no, their line just uh, didn't do a great job of protecting Trevor Lawrence. Didn't do a great job of establishing the run game. Um, and a lot as a of result, false starts also. Right. Uh, as a result, they ended up, you know, getting bailed out by a horrible play call from Mac Brown. The um, exact play call that he used to beat South Carolina. He was like, yeah. <laughs> This worked against one South Carolina team. Surely it'll work against the other right. one. Well, that is the point where you're like, ah, Dabo doesn't watch film. <laughs> <laughs> but Brent does. So you can, you can underestimate your opponent, but the fact that you think they don't watch any film, like <laughs> right. of your one good game this year. Right. Um, uh, that, was, that was Mac trying to catch a plane, and we all know it. Um, <laughs> do we want to talk about that decision at all? I know yeah. that you brought, you brought this up in pre-show that it feels like there's was, some phantom outrage here. Yeah, it was so funny because I I actually have had one friend that was like I disagree with the uh, and he's a listener so shout out to Mac. Um, he's like I disagree with the the go for two call. You're at home. You always go to overtime when you're at home. It's like absolutely not. You he made the right call to go for it. You you get to control your own destiny there. If you go to mm-hmm. overtime. You let Clemson control their own destiny. The longer you stretch it out, the more likely talent is to win out. Yeah, exactly. So that's 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 you hit the nail on the head. The every time every play, it's talent against talent, and most likely on those plays, the more talented side will win. So the more opportunity you give the more talented side to play more plays, the more likely that the more talented side is going to have a greater outcome. So. You, you, I think you absolutely go for the win in that situation. I just hated the play call. But the actual right. decision to go for it, I had no problems with. And so I've heard, I've heard most people, they're like, yeah, I agree with the call. you got to try and get the win there, blah, blah, blah. 
But also what I've heard from most people is, yeah, he's really getting lit up on the radio for it. Facebook and Twitter aren't happy about it. As like, I, other than one friend texting, I haven't heard a single person in the media, on Twitter, whatever, saying like, oh, you never go for it there. So like, what is this fake outrage that I guess everyone just assumes that since they didn't get it, that there are people somewhere outraged about the call? Right. It's Well, it's the sort of thing where... Um, you know, I don't listen to sports radio, but surely some people do. <laughs> like, yeah. So I don't know what happens there. Uh, I don't know what is said on sports radio. I yeah. I, I, I and I can't do blame people for that assuming that it's not good analysis. This is absolute dad fodder. This is what right. that's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, as as someone who just recently flew home from Baltimore with Jim Traber, I should have remembered, but I try and block out Oklahoma sports radio as much as possible. Yeah, it's, right. It's, um, yeah, it's, I, th- I think ultimately, um, yeah, I agree that it was the right call to go for it. Uh, I think it showed uh, a bit of like prescience in terms of like, you know, recognizing that what you're doing is trying to steal one here. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, you, there's no reason to stick around. Uh, yeah, but uh, Clemson survives, unfortunately. I say unfortunately, I don't know if i really mean that uh yeah, it's, it's always funny when it's happening to somebody uh, else so right real, real quick because oh go ahead oh go for it no i was going to um, slightly change the subject well i was going to bring i was going to segue into the ap ratings so if you have a more uh, interesting you. thing well i, I was just going to say we have to ask the question if clemson does drop one like obviously they won't but do they deserve to be out of the playoff if they drop one, because their strength of schedule is like borderline an American athletic conference schedule. No. Yeah. The ACC is bad this year. Um, if you look purely at S and P plus ratings, it's a real power four scenario. Um, I, I don't know if you can automatically say they're out, but like you look at everybody else's path to the playoff and how chalky mm-hmm. it's going to be across the country. Like, well, yeah. So, like it becomes I mean, a question of like, do they get in over a one-loss Georgia? Yeah, whose only losses to Alabama? Probably not. They certainly won't get in over an undefeated Ohio State or an undefeated Oklahoma. You know, even like a one-loss Oklahoma that like loses to Texas and then avenges that loss in the Big Twelve right. Championship or something. Mm-hmm. Like, these are all teams who have better resumes than this Clemson team. Yeah, um, like well, in in that scenario. I can see the argument of let's say Oregon runs the table from here on out and Clemson loses to, I don't know, North Carolina state. What, what outside of past years, what is the argument for Clemson getting in over Oregon who will have won a conference title game and their only loss will to have been to a currently top 10 Auburn team. Yeah. Right. No, it's and Oregon's already being counted out. So I, I mean, I I think Clemson's reputation will help them a lot. Obviously, um, of course. But you know, they, I think if you look one, at it, right? yeah, if you look at it strictly as a this year resume um, situation, which is what the college football cl- playoff committee is supposed to do, um, I think they'd be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, but, that's like the committee's biggest nightmare is Clemson dropping one because they. Yeah. Like, I think any loss should automatically, obviously they have the pedigree and you can see the eye test, so they should probably drop them to like sixth in that kind of top six range, you know? Mm-hmm. But the you know the committee, there's no way 
they're going to be outside the top four if they drop one and still win the ACC. Right. Um, which will be frustrating. It could be a very uh, Florida State five years ago sort of yeah. situation. Where, uh, it, well, and Florida State won every, all their games, but they dropped to four because everyone kind of knew. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And then they get blown out in the first. And I, I don't know if Clemson will, that'll even happen to Clemson because, like, like we mentioned earlier, Clemson's done this the last couple of years. They have a bad game. They, last year, they should have lost North Carolina State. Two years ago, they lost at Syracuse. Three years ago, they lost Pittsburgh at home. I mean, they do this once a year where they kind of lay an egg in a game, and it doesn't seem to matter. Late in the year, they kind of turn it on. So I guess that's what we'll just have to look out for is, you know, eight, week eight, week nine, do they kind of start taking things more seriously and kick it into gear? Right. Yeah. And I, I think the, the conversation is probably, you know, moot point because I don't think Clemson will lose a game. But maybe if they do this and then they get into the playoff, this is, you know, what quickly spurs the conversation of increasing it to six or eight teams, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. I would love for that to yeah, come from hope. something other than the SEC question. Right? Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah. we'll see. It probably won't happen and it right. won't matter. So. All right. Clemson had a scary one. Um, let's see. Elsewhere in the country, what happened? Uh, Arkansas. Uh, really putting the fear of God into Texas A&M a week yeah. before they have to play Alabama. Um, Gigum. Yeah, unfortunately that didn't happen. Not really. That would have been yeah. really funny. Yeah, um, just for recruiting purposes, um, it would have been a huge, an extremely funny thing just because OU recruits against A&M constantly and they're currently locked in on a couple guys. Um that that's the main competition and what a uh, boost that would get to be able to point to A&M and say, this is them in year two and they're losing to Arkansas and on their third loss already. So, right. Um, Good thing is next week to get to play Alabama. Right. Um, Out West, you had uh, Cal dropping their first game to those wild sun devils. Which I went back and listened to our our last podcast. We all kind of called that. Yes, yes. Um, all aboard yeah. the Herm train. Pac-12 is a mess. Herm is somehow going to win it without even coaching a good team. <laughs> yeah, um, long time Herm believer, right here. Right. Never doubt. Yeah, every, Herm, Herm, and or every team that loses to Arizona State and North Carolina really makes me look bad in the Herm and Mac debates. <laughs> and I'm never going to stop. I still don't think no. Arizona State's a good team. I still don't think North Carolina's a good team for what they and do. And you shouldn't, nope. because look at them. Watch them. Nothing goes right that until Michigan, it absolutely has to. The Arizona State-Michigan... Yeah. Yeah. I'm that, very uh, mad that Herm has apparently stolen David Shaw's ability to like uh, arrive at a victory pr- only precisely when he means to. Like, yeah. <sighs> Stanford's yeah. bad. That's sad. Um in the SEC, um, LSU had the week off this week, uh, and they got Utah State coming up. Nothing going there. They're going to continue to be really good. Um, obviously, Alabama is going to blow the doors off AM, who remains ranked. Yeah. yeah. That's so annoying. At least they did, they did drop in the rankings, though. So we have that to be thankful for. This wasn't well, thank Alabama. God. The top twenty. I was really concerned about it. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Let's see. Anything else big happened this week? Uh, Ohio State blew the doors off Nebraska. Yeah, that one went close. It was it was a truly terrible weekend of games. It was as bad as it's I can ever remember it being. But Northwestern kept it close with Wisconsin. So are they a fraud also? Oh yeah, yeah. No, Wisconsin is fraudulent. Did y'all see? Did y'all see the uh, uniforms that Wisconsin was wearing? Those throwback, the khaki throwbacks. Yes. Oh my gosh. Those were. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure Twitter made all the State Farm jokes about their yes, uniforms. They, didn't they, they were in abundance. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I was at the game and not on Twitter for the most part, but I figured they were there. Jake from Wisconsin, what are you wearing? Khakis. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't hate the use of khaki pants and throwback uniforms. I think it's a really unique idea, but like, yeah. I don't think it works here. I hated those khaki uniforms. It is also, it is a very dark khaki. It's a very brown yeah, khaki. Yeah, you mix it with that shade of red, like, you know that, that right. outfit that is has state, gone that is viral. A, you work at State Farm or you work at Target. Like, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Um, let's yeah, talk. Not, let's, go ahead. let's teach the controversy here about the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Mm, 4-0. 4-0. 4-0 and a great schedule coming up. Four, yeah, yeah. And Having I really got through a disastrous trap of a schedule. Yeah. South Dakota State at Fresno, Georgia Southern at Purdue. <sighs> they could. Oh, man. Coming They're... up, you've got Illinois, Nebraska at home, at Rutgers, yeah. Maryland at home. Penn State at home, November 9th. Circle that one. I don't know what Penn State schedule looks like prior to that, but that could potentially be a nasty upset for the Nittany Lions. I think so Penn State's is pretty good up until then. They got Purdue. Uh, they got Iowa and Michigan. Michigan State. So never mind. Just this week, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really that- think like <clears throat> that schedule for Minnesota coming up is too good. And I could honestly see them, like, they're two touchdown favorites to Illinois, and I could see that upset being pulled off. Right. That's the thing is all of these, all of their disaster trap games have also just, like, almost been disastrous traps. Like, yeah. they have won by, they have not won by more than a score yet. It's it's terrifying, though, because they could potentially be, like, 8-0 Minnesota at the same time. Right. Yeah. And they duck Ohio State and Michigan in the regular season. Yeah, this is like the uh, well, it's not quite, not nearly this bad, but it's like Iowa a few years ago where they went undefeated, but they didn't play any of the best teams in their conference. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and here's the really frustrating thing: they obviously they close out their regular season with Wisconsin, so you're looking at a situation in which the Big Ten West is like. Wisconsin versus Minnesota is like a top five versus top ten matchup. Oh yeah, for the boat. Right. We talked. We talked about the Cal Bears. I guess we talked about Wisconsin playing like the Cal Bears in the Rose Bowl. But I would love to see a Cal Minnesota <laughs> Rose Bowl. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, I need that to happen. It's the real gold mine here is the Arizona State Minnesota Rose Bowl. That would be. A game. Can can you imagine like that would happen? Two better personalities like on opposing sidelines. <laughs> than like for oh my god! <laughs> oh, yeah. What a press conference that would be. Oh, that'd be beautiful. Okay, so 
Let's cast our glance forward. Talking uh, Kansas? Let's talk Kansas. Oh um, I've forgotten if this game... I've forgotten where this game is, first off. It's in Lawrence. It's in Lawrence. Oh, no. A very hey, nice call. Upset Central. What was that? Is there still a track around that field? Uh, I would was, say yes. It was the last time I was there. I've been to the last two games in Lawrence. I would not be going to this one, but... Uh, I will say it's a very nice college town, but that is the least, atmo- the probably the most lacking atmosphere I've ever seen in a college stadium. Right, like Kansas State has character, like <laughs> Iowa State even has character. Yeah, Iowa State's impressive for how shitty oh. they've been. Oh, shoot, well, yeah. oh. for how bad <laughs> they've been for you know the Listen, majority if, if of their time. If you roll back the tapes, Alex has dropped the f bomb like five times in the past three yeah, podcasts. Well, fair, so it's fair, fair I think enough. we're past. I think we're past that. I've, honestly, I probably dropped the f bomb. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> what I always loved about Kansas, I think the only time I've been was there was four years ago in 2015, um, and we played them for their homecoming game, and still no one showed up for the game. But with there. that, yeah, with that track around the stadium, like they just have people standing in the end zone like with great yeah. seats as if as if it were a high school game right oh yeah right. they have yeah, some, we, they also have some like, like incredibly luxurious seats in the end zone too yeah i bought the last two times i bought eight dollar tickets um and just moved to the nicer part of the stadium because you know yeah. no one's sitting there so it was it was I mean, you can't beat eight dollar tickets, so. No, you absolutely can't. It is a um, a nice scenic walk through campus, though. I'll give them that for sure. Right now, the one thing about that is that Lawrence is sort of like they were like white people came to tech, Kansas, they made it a state, they fought off the Missourians, and then they looked around, they found the one place in the whole state with hills, and said, yep. "A university must go here." Yeah, it's uh, yeah. It it actually is a nice town, and if you go to, I mean, the campus, like you said, is hilly. There are like actual compared to Norman, it is you know mountains. Oh yes. So there's a, there's a lot of elevation in the campus. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's really nice, and it's picturesque, and you can go to the Fog Allen, and then you can walk. That you can follow the path of shame and exile out to the outskirts mm-hmm. where the football slash track facility is. Yeah, it is a uh, it's a fun walk back in the dark. Right. <laughs> and that is your OU Kansas preview, brought yeah. to you by the Lawrence Kansas Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I, I mean, we do need to talk just about you know the arrival of Les. I mean, of course, he's 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 back. I mean, bad <laughs> hatter. Yeah. Which, um, they really thought they had something after that Boston College win, huh? Oh, yeah. I, I mentioned this in the pre-show. OU does have some uh, experience playing Les Miles whenever he's the coach of a bad football team and having trouble with that with said bad football team. Um, way back yonder in 2001 and 2002, a highly ranked OU lost to a uh, pedestrian or even worse, Oklahoma State um, both times. So, I mean... There is precedent. I don't expect that to happen. But Puka, uh, Puka Williams did run for 250 yards against OU last year. You would hope that doesn't happen again. But I would. I mean, I, I honestly expect the defense to. You know, I, I I bet there are Puka highlights playing in the football offices. You know, all week this week. Uh, probably currently playing right now. So, 
I would hope that they take that personally and they try and shut Puka down because it's not like Carter Stanley is going to be, you know, throwing the ball all over the yard. So that's the quarter, that's the Kansas quarterback, right? Carter Stanley. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so right. again, yeah. We also would have accepted Bennett Williamson. Bennett is that a real name? You tell me if that's a real Bennett? name. <laughs> you tell me if that's a real Kansas quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, that'd be a great you know college game day question. Hey, Kirk, you know, is this a real person? Um, yeah, so they there's Puka. It sounds like Khalil Herbert, their other decent player, is is probably hurt. I think well, they have – I'm reading – go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, update on Khalil Herbert. It looks like – so he, apparently he sat out um, the game last week against TCU for personal reasons. Oh. He is probably transferring. I don't know. Okay, well, I didn't know that. Right. Simultaneously, Dom Williams, their third string back, um, is uh, maybe also not playing. Oh, good. Well, this is these are things you want to hear whenever you're starting right. running backs like 170 pounds. So, right. So he'll it's certainly last be, the whole season. Yeah. Puka Williams uh, suddenly has no backups. So mm-hmm. that's a situation, though, that Les is going to have to deal with. Yeah. So... Kansas, uh, they don't. Their quarterback is, you know, very, very average. They have maybe a decent receiver, and I think his last name is Merchant. He's a JUCO guy. Puka is basically their whole offense. So if you can stop Puka, you can stop Kansas. They gave up, I think, like last last week against TCU, a not very good offense. It was something like thirty-eight nothing at halftime. Um, I. I don't know. I think we're we. This might even be too much talking about Kansas. I, right. If as long um, as OU goes yeah. out, and I was executes, about to, yeah. Uh, I was about to say words like now, guys. Something to keep an eye on is uh, true freshman <laughs> running back Velton Gardner, who had four rushes Velton. for sixty-one yards and a touchdown on Saturday. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He is also five nine one seventy. So they have a type. Uh, right. In in Alex's absence, we would be remiss if we didn't mention they do still have Hassan defense on the team. Oh man, Hassan defense! I loved him so much, and then he tried very hard to make Baker Mayfield hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, speaking of uh, Baker Mayfield, that game. This is the two-year anniversary of the Baker yep. Mayfield crotch gate. Right. And oh, yeah, this on, is, uh, is this the first time on... we've been back since then? Yes, yep. and it's on the call. It is the same crew. It is Greg McElroy and Dave Pass who incredible. Uh, I'll who be wanted this to one. just yeah. clutch their pearls. Yeah, who wanted to draw and quarter one Baker Mayfield after said incident. So, yeah. right. oh my god, that's seri- people seriously I, talk like that would affect his Heisman chances. I was at the game, uh, and honestly, I no no one in the stadium that I noticed all seven of us seemed to really even notice that that had happened until I got out of the stadium and I looked at my phone and crotch gate was well underway. So oh, yeah. Well, it's because they had nothing else to talk about. It wasn't yeah. an exciting game. Yeah. Like, was... OU offense wasn't even that incredible. Like, yeah, it was actually, they actually played us pretty well that year. Um, I think they lost forty-one to three, but that's statement. They kept it. They kept it close early. I remember. Right. Um, I think I remember some uh, sweet Jeff Mead catches in that game plate. Oh yeah. Just uh, just. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Um, God, it's Kansas. It's Kansas. Yeah, that, that, this game is honestly probably going to get the little TV on mute. Like, this isn't main TV viewing this week. This is the uh, palate cleanser before Red River. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I wish we had more to bring you guys, but this is a bad Kansas team coached by an interesting guy who, I don't know. Might, It'll be fun. Right. Uh, maybe. It maybe. might be fun. <laughs> Yeah. The only thing re- that really interests me is that, you know, normally in a game like this, it's a potential, not a trap game because it's Kansas, but like, you know, you're looking ahead to Red River and, you know, maybe you only win by 21 or 24 or something when the spread is like 35. It'll be interesting to see how Jalen Hurts is in his first quote unquote trap game because I feel like we are just going to come out blazing like always. I don't think. Jalen Hurts takes plays off. Yeah, I well, don't it's... think that Captain Rat Poison is yeah. <laughs> any sort of trap game feelings anytime soon. CRP, Captain Rat Poison. Um, yeah, th- 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 there is something interesting kind of to watch with Jalen. He sounded like he had a bit of a cold uh, at media day yesterday. So could we have Flugate round two? Um, oh, man. Or we could have a Jalen Hurts flu game. <laughs> that's true. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, I wish we had more for you. Um, Let's, before we go, um, there was one topic that was specially requested by Alex for us to discuss on the podcast. Uh, So, guys, let's talk about Tanner Mordecai. Oh, do we have to? (laughs) We'll We'll be brief. We'll be okay. brief as this, a favor. Does, does any other podcast talk about Tanner Mordecai as much as this one? No. I don't know. I do you don't think, do you think, and you know, it's not going to be positive people. Just look at his stat line, listen to Alex's previous comments. But do you think Tanner Mordecai is just happy to be in the news? Yeah. This is, <laughs> or do we think he's just rather, he'd just rather not. We, we need to right. check the uh, Waco numbers just to, just to see how much airplay this is getting. <laughs> right. Um, look, Tanner Mordecai wasn't good in the limited role he saw against Texas Tech. He's going to continue to see limited roles all season, probably. Um, And he's probably just going to look okay at best. Uh, Every time Spencer Rattler comes in the game, it's going to be immediately apparent who is better. Um, Which is, I mean, it sucks for him. I feel bad uh, because it leads to things like at the South Dakota game when he got replaced and everybody cheered. (laughs) Like, I feel bad for Tanner in those situations. But at the same time, like... It's a weird charade we're pulling. Um, eventually, I'm assuming we're going to try and save Spencer's red shirt. Not that that'll matter. Um, and so that'll like him getting pulled pulled to cheers is going to stop happening. But I wouldn't feel too bad for Tanner because in a couple of years he can go to Morgantown and start for West Virginia, right? Or Texas A&M. Yeah, that's, that's uh, true. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how them. much more. I don't know how much more Kellen Mond can take. We're being honest. Yeah, so you know, don't don't sleep on SMU. You know, they're they're turning Shane Bichelle into something. I could see him being a, a UNT star if uh, once Mason Fine moves on too. So really, some great options out there for Tanner Mordecai. Right. Yeah. I mean, if Kevin Summon someone holds on in Arizona, you know, he could go hang out in Tucson. There are options for him. But what Alex wanted us to talk about is the options now in a hypothetical world where Jalen Hurts gets hurt. 
Like, what what do we think Lincoln Riley's decision making process is after that? Um, I cannot imagine that Tanner Mordecai remains the starting remains the like assumes the starting role, like because I just when Lincoln talks about a quarterback position or quarterback competition, he always talks about how close it is. Um, but then at the end of the day, like there's never been a situation in which the wrong guy won. So right. like, and it's always very clearly not close. So like, yeah. I don't know. To me, it's very obvious that like Tanner is being allowed to play backup um, to save Spencer for as long as possible. Um, well, I think he doesn't want to be left with only one scholarship quarterback next year. So he's kind of right. keeping it close uh, and just trying to preserve depth as best as possible. Yeah. And that, what Alex wanted to know is how many games Lincoln would be willing to lose to keep Tanner around for next year. Like how long he would want to play him. I don't know. It really depends, you know, when Jalen gets hurt, if it happened, right. like if it happens, let's say towards the end of the Texas game or he finishes out the Texas game, I would think Tanner would be the guy. I mean, you got West Virginia after that. You got Kansas State, Iowa State, Baylor, TCU, Bedlam. So I think he would roll with Tanner. And I I really don't think that he would be willing to lose any games. I think the second that, like, if Tanner has a bad half, I think you could see Spencer coming in to start the second half. Yeah, so I agree. Tanner would be the guy. But there would always be the pressure of, I can't screw up or else I'll get replaced by Spencer Rattler. And then inevitably, over the course of the year, he'd probably get replaced by Spencer Rattler. So right. I think the answer is he he would be the replacement, but yeah. it wouldn't last. Right. Like, yeah, the, if if it's a question of, like, losing games, obviously not. Like, I, yeah, absolutely he's not going to lose games. Because yeah. the reality is that, like, we're challenging for a national championship this year, and you can't let that slide you can't pass that up on the off chance that your starter gets hurt next year right yeah i mean if he transfers and go get a juco i mean that's right or just yeah you know who you i don't know guys how do you convince a quarterback to transfer to oklahoma yeah Mm. makes no sense yeah, I think Tanner would definitely have the shortest leash of anybody. Like, it, it wouldn't even be a leash. It'd be like a harness that has a handle directly on it. <laughs> he could just, like, pick him up. Like, as soon as – I think if he gets – if Jalen got hurt, let's say, you know, halftime of the Texas game, I think maybe you could see Tanner come in and then close that one out, even if it's going to be a loss. And then that gives Lincoln, you know, a good reason to start Spencer the next game. And, you know, you can – you, I don't think you'd get dinged up too bad in that one for losing to Texas. You, the rankings would still be favorable towards you, and you have the chance for redemption towards the end of the playoff. Yep. Or towards the end of the season to get into the playoff. And you have your built-in excuse. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, just on the subject of Tanner versus Spencer, when Spencer came in the game and just immediately started making five-star throws, like, you're yes. like, oh, God. Yeah. I, do we have then, anything else to say about Tanner Mordecai? I'm sure. Um, Alex Alex would want us to say that he was four for six for five yards. He completed four passes and netted five yards on them. Right. So, right. not great. Which is not frustrating because it's pulling the averages down. Because Lincoln pulls Jalen before. 
yeah. Bill, before Bill Connolly's garbage time starts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it does kind of annoy me. Yeah, yeah. it does me too. Yeah, I, I've noticed that as well. It's you know, I, I saw our offensive numbers slip a little bit, and it's like that was that that was Danner. <laughs> luckily, luckily the rushing. Did you guys see when he tweeted out the the screenshot of the our rushing offense? He so clearly Bill Conley still has the exact same spreadsheet he was using. It's just ESPN won't allow him <laughs> won't to send this out to the masses. But, ESPN watermark. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. But what what will it take? I mean, you're charging five bucks a month for ESPN Plus. Can you not put it on ESPN Plus? I will. I will pay for ESPN Double yeah, there, Plus yeah. if it means there getting... should be <laughs> plus plus. ESPN Plus should just have like a show, a Bill Connolly show. Yeah. Like, let him talk about this stuff more. And I know he came on, you know, right before the season started, so hopefully next year. But, like, I do not have the patience. I do. I cannot wait that long. But, right. yeah, the, the rushing S&P Plus numbers are very favorable. Someone tweeted at him um, saying that Oklahoma was having a historically great running game and they were kind of under the radar. And so Bill tweeted out just the rushing S&P, but we're first in S&P overall. Uh, success rate, efficiency, opportunity rate, and power success rate, and then sixth in explosiveness. So just incredible stuff right. from the rushing offense so far. Just unstoppable. Yeah. Okay. Do we have anything else to say going into next week? No. no I mean, game days at uh, Auburn, Florida. It, right. I hope that that game's dumb. I yeah, think I, mean, it, I think it might finally Kyle Trask. Yeah. yeah, I think it might finally be Bo Nix's collapse as a freshman. Like he hasn't been great, obviously, but he hasn't really you know, just completely caved in and thrown like mm-hmm. four picks in a game. I think even with Kyle Trask, the Florida defense is still awesome, and you could totally see Bo Nix in like a huge primetime game. Obviously, he has the one already, but you know Oregon, as good of a defense as they are. I don't think they're as good as Florida's defense. They're not as S&P talented, plus, at least. Yeah. yeah, I would say S&P Plus disagrees with me. But, yeah, definitely not as talented. In a conference game, I could definitely see him just cratering in this one. All right. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's something to watch for. Not really anything so it, to watch for. It would be huh? interesting. Iowa-Michigan's going to be uh, ugly. Uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to watch. I'll watch it, like though. It. Yeah. Oh, I hate watch yes, it. You will, won't you? Yep. <laughs> I mean, I probably will too. What's the Pac-12 after dark? Let's find that. I think, there, I think there's a uh, UCLA, Oregon Cal- State. Cal- yeah. Cal- oh, Cal- there Oregon you go. Seven o'clock. <laughs> that's prime time. Oh. Yeah. Was- Washington, Oregon Arizona. State, UCLA. Washington at Stanford. Yeah, Washington. Yeah, I'm on the wrong. I'm on oh, the wrong week. That's gonna be it. That's that's a yikes one right there. Just it's gonna have. If you have CBS SN, you could also watch Boise State at UNLV. Oh boy, beautiful, right? Um, yeah, that's what we're that, looking at here, folks. That's a good place to leave it. Boise State UNLV. That's right. That's a good place to end. All right. Um, thanks so much for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. You could subscribe to the podcast um, in your Apple Podcast app on the Google Play Store or on Podbean. Um, you can. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Alex P. Purdy or at Not That Sam Davis. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you should share it with a friend or leave a review. Um, that'd be a great way to help other people find this thing you like. And we'll be back next week uh, to talk about.